Pick Six Podcast. I am Will Brinson. I am not Will Brinson, and I have to work on my Will Brinson impression. I am Adam Azer, and here's Jamie Eisenberg. Jamie, you are not Will Brinson either. What's up? Ooh. <laughs> Does he do that? Well, when he gets like a little frazzled, he'll be like, <laughs> I don't do Oh, you're right. You're right. He does do that. So Will's out for a little bit. I don't even know where he is. Where's Will? Um, I think last I heard he was flying to space. Okay. He's on one of those Elon Musk flying cars in space. He's an astronaut. He is. And uh, he'll be back, but uh, we're going to fill in for a little bit. Jamie and I are going to be on today's show and tomorrow's show. We have Deontay Thompson coming on tomorrow's show. That'll be a nice little interview with a new Dallas Cowboy. Uh, today we are picking six topics for you. We welcome you to the Pick Six Topic, uh, Pick Six Podcast, excuse me. We're going to talk about four teams who are starting minicamp this week. We're going to talk about the new targeting rule. And the video that the NFL released kind of makes me feel like it won't be that big of a deal. And we're going to talk about Hugh Jackson just gingerly strolling into Lake Erie. That was weak, man. They should have dropped him out of a helicopter or something like that. <laughs> Um, but they didn't, and we'll talk about all of it. So who are we? Well, uh, Jamie is a senior fantasy writer for the website. I am a podcast host of the Fantasy Football Today and Fantasy Baseball Today podcast. If you haven't heard our shows, please listen to them, Fantasy Baseball Today, Fantasy Football Today. Check out all of our podcasts at cbssports.com slash podcast. You also probably, hopefully, saw Jamie on the CBS Sports HQ production of the our NFL draft coverage and Jamie, let's get into it. We're going to talk about the Bears, the Lions, the Dolphins, the Patriots, targeting, and Hugh Jackson being kind of a wimp going into Lake Erie. All right, let's start. These are the four teams that are starting minicamp this week on June 5th. The rest of the NFL gets started on June 12th. The Bears, that's what we want to talk about first. Topic number one, Mitch Trubisky taking the next step. They've got a new head coach, Matt Nagy. They've got Allen Robinson. They finished 5-11 and last year. What do you think about this team, the Chicago Bears? I'm, I'm going to throw it out there. Could they be a surprise playoff team in 2018? They can. I, I don't think that they will, but they can. You know, I think they'll be one of those teams that gets to seven and nine, eight and eight. Uh, maybe if things go absolutely perfect for them, ten and six, um, but miss the playoffs. But I, the division is tough, man. You know, you get Aaron Rodgers coming back. Obviously, the Packers are going to be great just because of that alone. The Vikings are. I, I think have the chance to be a very good, if not great team for a few years now that they have their quarterback situation settled with that defense. And then the Lions are no slouch either. So it's a very, very tough division. So there's not like they're going to get a lot of easy wins because of that. But I do think that they have done the right thing in terms of trying to find a coach from a good system, as we saw what the Eagles did with, you know, hiring Doug Peterson from Andy Reid, uh, you know, from Andy Reid's coaching tree. I think Matt Nagy could be the, uh, same type of things. Nagy or Nagy? I always get Na- it Nagy. I've been saying um, Nagy. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, and look, Will, they, Will would know. Uh, <laughs> they hopefully they hopefully found their quarterback. You know, I mean, we don't know much about how good Trubisky is because John Fox was allergic to the forward pass. So I, I think, you know, if you were just to say right now, Allen Robinson, Trey Burton, Taylor Gabriel, yeah. Tariq Cohen, um, it's, it, it's, you know, maybe hopefully, you know, something from Kevin White. You put you put a veteran quarterback, a proven guy with you know some of these players, and you say Anthony Miller. You know I can't believe I forgot him. Yeah, yeah, um, second round pick. You, you you put you put a veteran guy there. Let's say Kirk Cousins had signed with the Bears for whatever reason. You know they didn't like Trubisky. You'd be going okay. This is a pretty good offense. Mm-hmm. If Trubisky's good, they could be good. The interior of the offensive line is going to be great. Center and two guards are very good. You know so 
it's a it's a team that's set up to I think you know be one of the surprise you know not like the Rams but I, I think similar to what the Rams did where they just kind of turned things around quickly because of the coach. Such a fun thing in the NFL that the the turnover you get year after year from playoff teams and just the the ones that are in the ones that are out. We didn't expect the Rams to make the playoffs last year. And the Rams are the easiest comparison to make. They're bringing in an offensive-minded young coach. They're bringing in more talent. They drafted an offensive lineman in the second round. And I don't think offensive line is really the problem for this team. Uh, They should be able to run the ball. They have a good interior offensive line for sure. They just need to be a little bit more creative. And, yeah, you're right about the division. I think that can set them back. But I do think, Jamie, that the makings of a good defense are there. In fact, for a team with, with such a bad offense last year, they were ninth in scoring defense last season. Uh, they've got Kyle Fuller and Prince Mukamara at cornerback. I think what you gotta be really excited though about if you're a Bears fan is Roquan Smith and Leonard yes. Floyd, a year one and a year three linebacker now, both of them top ten picks. I loved Roquan Smith. I mean, this is a guy, I don't know, look, I don't know what I'm talking about here, but this is a guy when I was watching Georgia, in their final two games of the year, I couldn't take my eyes off Roquan Smith. He seemed to be a draft riser. I like draft risers, guys who get hyped later in the process, get taken a little bit earlier. And Floyd, I, I mean, I thought was is on his way to a really good career. So, look, I mean, 12th best or ninth best scoring defense last year with that bad of an offense, you know, sometimes those go hand in hand. I mean, 500 seems realistic to me. Seems it seems doable. Yeah. Doable. I mean, let, let let's let's uh, be realistic here. The Bears have a great track record of middle linebackers. Yeah. You know, I mean, <laughs> Dick Butkus, Mike Singletary, Brian Urlacher. Uh, this guy could be the next, you know, great one. And you you heard comparisons to Ray Lewis, you know, coming out of the draft. That's high praise, but hopefully he has that type of ability, and um, you know, he could be the quarterback of that defense. But I it, it, look, it's all going to come down to Trubisky. If Trubisky's right. good, they'll be five hundred. What they get above that, who knows? But if uh, if Allen Robinson can bounce back, if Trey Burton can escape the Zach Ertz shadow, you know, the, the run game I think should be good, potentially great, if they can get that combo going of Jordan Howard and Tariq Cohen. I mean, you, you know, uh, for anybody that's followed the Bears, Matt Nagy has said Tariq Cohen, Tyreek Hill. That's the comparison he's made. You know, a guy that he can do creative things with, move him around the formation, not necessarily just have to give him, you know, handoffs out of the backfield. And so if they can get those gadget plays going, or at least, you know, some, some, something unique and different, I think Bears fans just could be happy because his offense is definitely going to be better than what they saw here. Yeah, and the other comparison to the Rams is, is Trubisky and Goff. And, you know, yep. Trubisky Four season. Yeah, he didn't do much, but neither did Goff. Neither did Goff. Right. So. All right, so let's transition to the Detroit Lions. And I, and I really – look, I wouldn't be surprised. I'm not going to pick this, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Bears are better than the Lions this year. And the Lions, uh, they were 9-7 and seven last year under Jim Caldwell. They were 7th in offense. They were 21st in defense. And I think your your minicamp storyline and your season storyline for them is is can Matt Patricia turn turn their defense around, make them into, what, a, a defensive, not powerhouse, but but consistently really good team? I think that's the, the flaw of this team because offensively, again, pieces are in place. If you just look at the guys on their offensive line, Center, tackle, guards, you know, right tackle is really the only hole that they, no, no, I'm sorry, right tackle is fine. It's, uh, it's left guard is really the only hole that they potentially have with Graham Glasgow as the, you know, penciled in starter. But, you know, if, if they go with Ragnow at center, uh, they may keep Wesley Johnson there, they may move Ragnow to guard. But, uh, Taylor Decker had the shoulder injury last year that really derailed them. They spent a lot of money on the right side of their line with TJ Lang and Rick Wagner. 
Stafford is good. You know, I know people don't necessarily want to put him in the elite category. You can debate that if you want to, but he's very good. He's one of the better starting quarterbacks in the NFL. And the big hole offensively is can they run the ball? Well, we'll talk about that in a second. But if they could, you know, be a, I'll say top 15 defense, I, you know, I don't think they need to be a top 10 defense. It's just, the, again, the problem is they're in such a loaded division. It's very hard to say that they're better than the Vikings or better than the, the Packers. I think your your comment is apropos. They're closer to what the Bears could be without things really breaking their way, like Aaron Rodgers missing half the season or the Vikings really falling apart for them to be in even the top two in this division. I think they're the clear-cut third team. So the Lions were sixth. They, they allowed the sixth most total yards in the NFL last year. You know who actually allowed more? The Patriots. I am very skeptical. Now, that's total yards. You go over to scoring defense, the Patriots allowed the fourth most yards and the fifth fewest points defensively last year. I'm skeptical. That's every year for them, though. Yeah. I I think usually when a defensive coordinator gets hired as a head coach, in my opinion, Jamie, he has a better track record than Matt Patricia. I know the points. I know they didn't give up a lot of points, and that's the most important thing. And I know that they were going to Super Bowls and winning Super Bowls, and that's also pretty important. But I'm skeptical because there's a bad track record of Bill Belichick coordinators becoming head coaches. And I just, I don't know. I I feel like it was really only the fact that he was a Patriots coordinator. I don't think his work really stood out. I I was surprised he got as much hype as he did. And yeah, you know, I know the, I think the pencil in the ear helped too. (laughs) And the beard. And the beard. Um, Yeah, definitely. I, 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 look, there's the, the, the question all the time when you're talking about the Patriots and their defense is actually who's running the defense. Yeah. Is it the coordinator or is it Bill Belichick? Because that's where he, uh, you know, made his bones. Um, look, it, it's, uh, it, it's one of those things where you always want to get to a team as a future head coach that has certain things in place. And the Lions have the biggest thing in place, which is the quarterback. So again, I think offensively they should be, they should be competent, if not, uh, you know, better than, better than average and probably better than most. If the run game is, is, is sort of solidified with some of the moves that they made because all Patricia really needs to focus on defense. I think Jared Davis, obviously I'm a little bit biased. I'm, I'm a Gator, but I think Jared Davis is, uh, you know, going to be a very good linebacker. He had an okay rookie season. They need to fix the pass rush. You know, a full year of Ezekiel Ansah will, will certainly help. Yeah. Um, and they need to fix the run defenses. They, they really struggled when they lost Nada and Nada is now on the Eagles. So, uh, you know, maybe, maybe they, maybe they go ground and pound, right? And, and to be fair to Matt Patricia, I mean, the, the Patriots never really invest that much on defense, right? So, so we should give them some credit for never being outside the top 10 in scoring defense. Um, but, uh, yeah, do, do they just, do they change their offense? Do they play more ball control? They drafted Frank Ragnow in the first round and carry on Johnson in the second round. They, two years in a row they've invested in their offensive line. And uh, do they change their identity a little bit and, and try to control the clock a bit more? You would anticipate that. I mean, why else would you make these moves? And again, bringing in a defensive head coach, um, you know, I, I think that kind of speaks to it of what they would like to do, you know, because you, you've seen it. Um, look at the, the Jaguars a year ago. Fixed the run game. Now, Blake Bortles wasn't great, but the team is better. Defense obviously was, was, was excellent, but when you can control the clock – have a big advantage there. Dave Burkett of the Detroit Free Press did a great job uh, recently, it might have been this week, of breaking down the Lions' attempts and failures at trying to fix their run game. Javid Best, Mikel Ashore, <laughs> uh, Amir Abdullah, you know, they, they've tried with rookies to 
change the tenure, uh, tenor of what their run game has been. And so why should, to his, to his uh, point, why should Lions fans now all of a sudden get excited about Kerryon Johnson? And I get it. I mean, we've had this conversation on our Fantasy Football Today podcast about, you know, can the Lions run the ball? Because obviously that would be a great thing from a fantasy perspective. But um, I, I think when you look at what Kerryon Johnson's potential could be behind this offensive line, if he stays healthy, he could be good. With, and it's certainly in a, as a great part of what could be a good committee when you have LeGarrette Blunt, who, even though he's in his early 30s, can still be a good change of pace option, physical type of runner. Theo Riddick has proven to be a very good, if not one of the better pass-catching running backs out of the backfield. And then whatever they can potentially get from Amir Abdullah if he's still part of the team. So uh, I, I think they'll be better in, in that facet of the game uh, with hopefully Kerryon Johnson being the lead type of guy that, you know, we, uh, we we see from, you know, time to time. Certainly the Lions had one of the best ones with Barry Sanders once upon a time. So how realistic do you think it is that the Bears finish with a better record than the Lions? I would say they're probably close. You know, uh, you know, going back to what I said about the Bears, you know, seven and nine through through ten and six is kind of the range. You know, uh, for the Bears, things really have to go well. For the Lions, I think it's more realistic. But again, I I think they're going to end up missing the playoffs because I don't think we're going to get three teams from the NFC North uh, getting in there. I do think the Packers and the Vikings make the playoffs. All right, let's go to the AFC East. Two other teams starting minicamp this week. How realistic do you think that it is that the Dolphins are better than the Patriots this year? Those are the other two teams. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's a, you know now that you can make wagers wherever you want, go to your nearest uh, sports book and um, put a lot of money on the Dolphins to win the AFC. That's mm-hmm. uh, that's a stone cold lock right there. Well, um, we'll get to the Patriots because because you know it's it's a pretty interesting off season for them. But sure, the, the Dolphins last year uh, they took a step back and they're getting Tannehill back this year. What do you what do you see from them under Adam Gase? Well, I'm actually going to see them. I'm going to minicamp on uh, on Tuesday, so I'll be there. Um, to uh, do some stuff for, for HQ, like you talked about, CBS Sports HQ. Um, yeah, I, I think, you know, again, if the quarterback situation is solved, and we know that for the Dolphins it's been a uh, 28-year uh, mystery for them, you know, trying to solve that quarterback problem since uh, Dan Marino retired at, at the 1999 season. Um, look, he, he he played really well before the, the D injury. Wait a second. We got we to gotta check your math there. You say 28? 18 years. 18, 18 years. 18, yeah. 18 years. Marino's not that old. Yeah, no. I was like, wait a minute, what? Right. Um, yeah, math not my strong suit. Uh, 18 years. Hey, what you don't, don't, don't read my fantasy coverage. Um, 18 years uh, since he, or 19 years, whatever it's been since he he retired. Um, they've been they've been trying to find a guy. And Tannehill, before the knee injury um, in that Arizona game in the 2016 season, was, you know, had them. Headed for the playoffs as they as they got there, and so you know the hope would be as he picks up where he left off in Adam Gase's offense. The problem is is now his security blanket is gone. So how do you replace Jarvis Landry? How do you replace Mike Pouncey on the offensive line? Those were two key pieces to you know what the Dolphins' success has been. You know when they've had success, and the defense. You know uh, they lost Ndamukong Sue. You know say what you will about him and what his contract was, but he was uh, you know one of the best defensive tackles, best defensive linemen in football. So they have a lot of you know big holes to fill and. You know, their, their, their rookie first round pick, you know, Mika Fitzpatrick, what, what exactly is he going to be? Is he a safety? Is he a corner? Uh, I think that's something that, you know, they'll have to address and, and hopefully we'll get some answers this week. They look bad. They look bad. You know, look, I, I understand if you're Adam Gase, the team wasn't really going anywhere and you're tired of some of the personalities and you're trying to kind of clean up the locker room, but they don't have Jarvis Landry and Dominican Sue or Jay, no star. Or, or Jay Ajayi or Pouncey. They look bad. 
You know, I don't think Ryan Tannehill is going to come come and turn things around. I don't know how they make the playoffs this year. They're not. No, they're 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 not. But and how and much they, patience are they going to have with Adam Gase? This is what year yeah, three for him. Yeah, yeah. This is going to be year four. Year you four. Have to wonder, you have to wonder if this is uh wait is it year four? My math is bad again. Um, you're you're twenty eight. You're twenty eight for him. He didn't make his play. He didn't make the playoffs in his first year. I don't think. No, but they made it two seasons ago. I think he made it in his second year. So yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Year four. Or was that his first year? I'll look it up, Jamie. Let's keep talking about how bad they are this year. Yeah, they're, they're, there's <laughs> just you know, I, I uh, think you're the three. That, the thing that has to happen for for them is Tannehill. If he's 16 games of what he was playing, the level he was playing at, at that point when he got hurt, which is hard to ask, you know, he hasn't played football in a year and a half. If he could come in and and you know sort of again pick up where he left off, because the 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 thing the thing is, I think with their defense. Can they get a pass rush? You know, they invested in, in Charles Harris last year. Uh, he hasn't done anything for them. You know, didn't do anything for them last year. Cameron Wake is, uh, you know, entering his mid-30s. So, you know, does he still have the, the ability to be, you know, one of the better pass rushers in the league? Um, they have one of the best second, you know, I, I think potentially best secondaries. Um, if, if Fitzpatrick can, you know, do what he did to Alabama in the NFL, Rashad Jones is amazing. But having a great secondary is not the key to having a great team. No, and look, they they picked 11th, and they took Fitzpatrick. All the quarterbacks went in the first 10 picks, top five, not Lamar Jackson. So they're going to be judged, I think, on whether or not they should have moved up a spot to take a quarterback or moved up a, a few spots to take a quarterback, and they didn't do it. The whole fiasco with Tannehill last year, I, I got to be honest, I'm really disappointed with the Dolphins. I just, uh, I, you know, it's tough, it's tough to be a Dolphins fan. They've been stuck in mediocrity for, for so long. 28 years. Probably. And they're never, <laughs> and they're almost never terrible. You know, you either gotta be terrible or you gotta be good. They're, they're so often mediocre. Well, um, the one time they were terrible, they may have made the wrong choice in taking Jake Long over Matt Ryan. Right. I, and and the I, other time, I guess the other time they were terrible, which, you know, everybody made the mistake, but they took Ronnie Brown Ronnie when Brown. they could have had Aaron Rodgers. I gotta tell you, man, their, their schedule does not look that bad. Tennessee, at the Jets, Oakland, at New England, at the Bengals, Bears, Lions, at Houston, Jets, at Green Bay, at the Colts, Bills, Patriots, Vikings. It ends tough. Patriots, Vikings, Jaguars, Bills are your last four games. But, I mean, they could be relevant because the schedule's, schedule's kind of favorable. But, uh, I don't know. They, they, they don't, they don't really have any standouts offensively. So it's going to be no, tough but, for them. But, but the one thing is they, they should be the second best team in the division. They, they have just, you know, like, like we talked about the Bears. Can Trubisky be good? Then the team could be, you know, again, decent. Can the defense for the Lions be good? Then they have a chance to be, you know, in, in the mix. For the Dolphins is, can Devontae Parker in year four finally, you know, materialize into the first round pick that he was? Can Danny Amendola play 16 games at the level he showed in the playoffs when he was featured a little bit more, which he's obviously going to be featured here? Can Kenyon Drake pick up where he left off last year after Jay Ajayi was traded. Can Laramie Tunsil get back to the level he was playing at two years ago when last year was a disaster? Can Tannehill be this? Can the defense do that? It's a lot, a lot of ifs for them to be relevant. And yeah. like you said, I think they're just going to be stuck in mediocrity one more year. All right, so that's, let's go to another mediocre team, the Patriots. Patriots. Drama. Runner, yeah, like, I mean, gosh, if, if, if the division were worth anything, yep. I would say they, they might be a little bit vulnerable this year. Brady and Gronk still not there. I mean, that's got to be a pretty big storyline as their mandatory minicamp approaches. Gronk is expected to be there. There, There is a report that he will attend mandatory minicamp this week, which is obviously a great thing for the Patriots and their fans. 
The question is, is he coming in with a new contract or a reworked contract? That's, I think, the debate that we're going to – or that's the, the, the storyline to follow because you know, he wants to get paid. Let me ask you this. Would you rather – I can't even put you in, a, in the shoes of like being in the NFL. So would you rather like have a lot of fun at a company and be like an okay fantasy analyst? Or would you rather work at like a just horrible company with no fun at all and be the best fantasy analyst in the business? I'd rather have fun. I'd rather have fun too, but actually, if I were in the NFL, I'd rather win a Super Bowl and not have fun. Well, that that's the thing you're you're hearing. You know, I mean, you had the the uh, Marsh storyline this week. Uh, Cameron Marsh, is that right? Cam Marsh? Yeah, I don't know. Um, this one, I I don't know. Um, you had the the storyline. Yeah, go ahead. But there's a lot of guys talking out now, speaking out about not a lot, but enough. And I don't I don't doubt it. It's probably not that fun to be on the Patriots. But they are the best. I mean, year after year, it's fun to win. It's just uh, this is the most cashes. Yeah, there you go. This is the most negative press that we've seen on the Patriots since Spike since Deflategate, I guess. But that was the you know them versus the world. This is them versus them. Yeah, you know, we've never we've never seen this in the in the Belichick era to yeah. this level. Um, you know, you had some stuff when they released Ty Law. You had you know um, you know things of that nature. But you know, this is. The, the leader of the franchise, where does he stand with the owner? Where does Belichick stand with Brady? Um, I didn't realize that TB12, um, is in the same, is in, is in Patriot Place. So he works out at the same time that the team mm-hmm. is working out right there. Yeah, it's weird. It's, it's so weird. And yeah. so, you know, uh, the bottom line is he walks back into a situation where Brady, where he doesn't have to deal with, you know, McDaniels. We know the whole Colts fiasco. He doesn't have to worry about learning a new voice in his head, new system. It's everything's still in place. Gronk will be there. He'll be healthy. He gets, I mean, you think about this, that they can trade away arguably their best receiver from a year ago in Brandon Cooks. And what does he get coming back? Oh, by the way, his best receiver in Julian Edelman. You know, so, uh, but, gets, but you know, that when I've seen the Patriots be a little bit worse, it was really when they, they after Randy Moss, they didn't have an outside receiver. They didn't have a stretch the field guy. And you know, you know Brady's always going to own the middle of the field, and he's got the weapons for that. But I don't like this roster as much. I mean, they, they haven't replaced left tackle, and they haven't replaced outside receiver. I still think they're going to win the AFC, you know? And I, I don't think any of this will ultimately matter. I think Tom Brady walks in. They've dealt with this in the middle of the playoffs. They dealt with all this drama. The story, the ESPN story coming out in the playoffs last year about, you know, how this might be it for Belichick and whatnot. And they still, they just dominate. You know, they have an amazing comeback against the best defense in the league and the Jaguars and they, they lost to the Eagles, but whatever. No shame in that. Um, I mean, the quarterback threw 500 yards. Yeah, right? So like, I don't think any of it's gonna end up mattering. But I don't no. like this, this offense as much as I like last year's offense. Look, Deion, Deion I- Lewis, uh, Deion Lewis, left tackle, number one wide receiver. Those are those are big losses. Yeah, but replaced with younger, maybe more talented Sony Michelle, replaced with Julie Nettleman, who for what they like to do, could be better. And they did win a Super Bowl without really an outside threat two years ago. Uh, you know, I mean, it's not like they yeah. beat the Falcons with Randy Moss uh, or Brandon Cooks. No, you're for right. that matter. Huh? You're right. And then you know, I, I agree with you. Losing Nate Solder could could hurt, but he wasn't going to get paid. That, by staying, they make the trade to get Trent Brown, who I'm sure that they can recuperate a little bit and, and, and turn his career path around. And they do draft Isaiah Wynn, you know, who could be 
a very good piece to that offensive line. He may not be left tackle, but he could be left guard. So and they had the best I, offensive line coach, right? Dante Scarnecchia. Yeah, he's just yeah, amazing exactly. every year. Exactly. Yeah. So I think it's rinse, wash, repeat because the division is so bad that gives them the opportunity to be the one or the two seed almost every year. And that's been the key to their success, right? Like, of it's course. not really them. It's the rest <laughs> of the division. <laughs> well, it, it, yes, to, 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 to your point. I mean, it's like it's, LeBron beating up on the East every year. Well, it's not so impressive. It, it's, it's very similar, except, uh, they, they tend to win a little bit more. A but little bit. I, I, I think, you know, the, the, the thing with the Patriots is, you know, it, it, it's stories for stories. There, once we get to week one, they may lose like they did last year. Who knows? Somebody catches them, you know, punches them in the mouth early in the season. They'll have their little September, October lull. And then once we hit middle of October through the end of the year, oh, by the way, they won 13 games, 14 games. They're playing for the one seed, if not the two seed. And here we go again. They'll be in the, in the, in the Super Bowl mix. All right. LeBron or Jordan, by the way? What do you, what do you got? Um, still Jordan. Really? I, th- I feel like you're in the minority now. Uh, I might be, but. I'm on Team LeBron uh, at this point. He's amazing. I mean, it, it's 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 fun to watch this whole uh, this whole saga. But you know, I grew up a Jordan. You know, watching Jordan. So I grew up. Get, yeah, I grew up a Knicks fan, and I do remember. And I always try to remind myself this. I remember whenever that they would play the Bulls, I would just think to myself, "How on earth are they going to win? Like, you can't beat Michael Jordan. You just can't." So I try to remind myself of that. And and true enough, you know, every now and then the, the Knicks would win, but they would never win a playoff series against Michael Jordan. Never. Every he, he won. He just figured out a way to win. So I try to remind myself of that. But I, I mean, I just can't believe how good LeBron James is and I, how bad J.R. Smith is. So two more topics. Pick five. Well, this I do know. Six. Hold on. This I do know. This is the 26th anniversary, the day that we're recording this, which is on Sunday. This is the 26th anniversary of the Shrug game. Oh, the Shrug game, really? Yes, against Portland. Yeah. Uh, was that Portland? Yes, it was I was kind of young. All right. So 26. So I was seven. Okay, but for, forgive me for not remembering who it was against. But sure, yes, uh, that was pretty good. Um, all right, so the targeting rule. You know, I, I, I when they first announced the targeting rule, it definitely seemed like, gosh, they're going to have six ejections every game. Uh, now they show the video of what's going to constitute an ejection, what's going to constitute a penalty. I think it'll be okay. I do think, you know what, though? I, I think it's going to really slow the game down. And that, boy, do I hate the college rule. They don't seem to care in college football about how long the games are anymore because they review everything. In college football, they don't have coaches challenge. They just review anything that's questionable. And they'll eject the guy and they'll go review it and see if it's worthy of an ejection. And they'll say, oh, no, he gets to stay. Or, yes, in fact, he's out. And it really slows the game down. Those games are routinely three and a half hours now. Um, I, I think that's the danger we run in with this rule is that, uh, Guys are gonna get ejected, and that's that stinks. But but hey, you got you got to fix this problem where these helmets are just being weapons. But I, nobody's really I haven't really seen much talk about that. The more you start reviewing, it's just like oh gosh, the end of a basketball game. Ever since they started, you know, being able to review offensive fouls and anything in the last two minutes, basically, it's endless. It's and it was always endless, but now it's even worse. That that's kind of something I'm interested in seeing, Jamie. The flow of the game. Could really suffer from this, but what, what's your take on this whole targeting rule thing? So just, I guess, to clarify, so according to the video that the NFL sent out, uh, the the targeting is a foul if a player lowers his head to initiate and make contact with his helmet against an opponent. And then to be ejected, a player has to lower his helmet to establish a linear body posture prior to initiating and making contact with the helmet. A 
player needs to have an unobstructed path to his opponent, and the contact has to be clearly avoidable in the sense that the player delivering the blow had other options, and that's according to our colleague Sean Wagner McAuliffe. <laughs> yeah, you could have just said Sean. Um, yeah, so when you see the video and you read that explanation, it's like, what? And then you look at the video and the examples that they give, and it gets a little bit more obvious. The uh, Danny Trevathan hit on Devontae Adams is the big one. Yeah, of course. That's an ejection. I, yeah. I think to get ejected, like you really have to measure somebody up, lower your helmet, and pummel them. And those those should be ejections, in my opinion. Uh, the fouls are going to be, I think, a little bit ticky-tacky at first. You know, we'll have to get used to it. But, Jamie, I get it. I get it. I mean, this concussion stuff is scary stuff. And I just remember reading, like, hey, if you want to get rid of concussions, get rid of helmets. Because helmets, you know, guys have helmets on. They hit harder with those helmets. They lean in with their helmets. How many times do we see guys just lower their helmets? It happens all the time. Um, and it's kind of an interesting theory. They're never going to get rid of helmets. But trying to trying to officiate this out of them, I think will actually work. I think eventually, you know, tackling will get better. And uh, players will stop using their helmets so much. I think that's probably the goal. I, I think it's going to work. I know people are tired of all the rules and whatnot. I think it makes sense, personally. I, I'm sort of on the NFL side with this. I just hope it doesn't get carried away. And I hope it doesn't slow the game down too much. That's a big concern of mine. The veterans in the NFL don't like it because they've been used to tackling for their, you know, since they're playing peewee football. Um, and, and again, it's like you said, it's, it'll be the ticky tack ones. I don't think there are a lot of guys that necessarily go out there. There's obviously a few, but I don't think there are a lot of guys that go out there with the intent of, I'm going to use my helmet to not necessarily hurt somebody, but to use it to dislodge a ball, to take somebody, you know, make them remember the next time they try to go over the middle, um, you know, to, to make them, in essence, think about what they're doing because of the, my ability to hit you. But it's the next generation of guys that they're trying to teach them to tackle the right way all the way down again through peewee league football. Uh, you know, that's the big storyline now about states trying to regulate. Do you let your kids play? At what age do you let them play? Uh, you know, we don't certainly don't want to see this become flag football because we love the NFL. Part of the reason we love the NFL is the borderline violence of it. Um, and so, like you said, hopefully they don't necessarily regulate it to the point where it becomes even more of a problem. Uh, time-wise, etc. But they they do have to do something to protect the players because the last thing, again, we you know Adam, you and I deal in the realm of fantasy football a lot. We don't want to see these offensive players come off the field because that's what makes football boring to a certain extent. Last year it sucked not having and not a result of penalties, but not having Andrew Luck or Aaron Rodgers or Odell Beckham or you know run run the list of David Johnson players that weren't there. And obviously, if they're safer, there's less chance of them being hurt and taken off the field. What on earth is a linear body posture? That I just, I have no idea. Yeah, good luck explaining that to uh, the masses. Yeah, I'm watching the video right now. I, I don't know, I don't know what a linear body posture is. But that, you know, we'll figure it out. I actually feel like I, I had a pretty good understanding of what the catch rule was. You know, like I knew when, uh, in the Pittsburgh New England game, I knew that wasn't a catch. You know, and, Jesse James. Yeah, I knew that Jesse James had dropped that ball by letter. Because of the, of the rule, or you thought he actually because dropped of the it? rule. Because of the rule, and, and and I actually think he actually dropped it too, if I if I recall. I I feel like I was like, oh no, he actually did drop that. But I I get the rule, uh, but now they've changed it, so I won't get it. So I think I'll figure this out. I have confidence in myself. Um, I trust you, buddy. Thank you, thank you. I'll be the guy who's no. I'll be the guru. You just ask me. You don't need anybody on TV. To so do when when Will is listening to this from space. He's going to say, ooh, i got to have Adam on when yeah. the rule comes up. Ooh. <laughs> of course, we'll be 10 minutes late. 
Will Will is short for walking in late. It's a little joke I came up with. All right, pick six. Hugh Jackson jumps into Lake Erie. So he said, hey, if we win one game, I'll jump into Lake Erie. And they won zero. So he made it a charitable event, which was great. He brought, like, all the staff of the Cleveland Browns. And he's like, all right, one, two, three, go. And then they just all kind of, like, walked in. And some of them ran in and some of them fell down, whatever. And it seemed like kind of a fun group activity. Uh, this will win them how many more games this year? Well, none. Um, <laughs> but I like their offseason, man. I really do. It, uh, they just, you know, again, we're recording this on Sunday, um, the 3rd of June. They signed Michael Kendricks to add another piece to, you know, what should be a good roster. I mean, again, if, if the quarterback situation is solved and you have to applaud them for trying, after not trying, you know, for the last two years, but to uh, to draft Baker Mayfield, who you know there seems to be a big divide on you know where he would have gone in the draft if he didn't go to the Browns, uh, and and bringing in Tyrod Taylor, who I think is underrated as a starter, it's a good roster, man. Uh, and and so can can they get to six or seven wins? I I think so. I think so. Yeah, yeah. I th- this look if Hugh Jackson, I I feel like the way I see it playing out is. They go through their growing pains this year. Hugh Jackson gets fired. And this becomes, if Baker Mayfield shows promise, this becomes a great opening for a head coach. And whoever they get could come in and really have the foundation of a pretty good team that's had very high draft picks. You know, look, Baker Mayfield's really important. Miles Garrett's really important for them, too. Sure. And he was their first pick two years, two, two drafts ago. Um, I think the the one thing that they'll be measured on, really, well, other than Mayfield, is is how Denzel Ward does relative to oh Nick Chubb, yeah. relative to Quentin Nelson. It was a surprise when they took Ward. Oh, and Chubb. Yeah, right. Chubb. Uh, oh, sorry, I, I meant rather, uh, relative to Bradley Chubb. They took Nick yeah. Chubb in round two. Um, but yeah, I I feel like I genuinely can be excited for the Cleveland Browns. I don't think they're going to do much this year, personally, but. But, you know, that's good. Like, get some more, get some more draft picks. And I think in two years, we might be looking at a good team. Of course, it will really depend on Baker Mayfield and some others, but, uh, it's almost like the, the Sixers, right? Like, you get build a regime up, in there up. that tears it down, that gets all these high draft picks, and you don't let them see it out. And then you're going to bring in other people who are going to reap the benefits. But I, I do think eventually benefits will be reaped. Well, let's hope for one that the next, uh, guy in charge, whatever, Position you want to put him in does not have burner accounts on Twitter. If you're comparing to this, <laughs> oh my! God. Um, sec- secondly, to your point, think of, think about the one of the first teams we started talking about. John Fox was the coach of the Bears when they drafted Trubisky. Now it's Matt Nagy that could potentially reap the benefits. Jeff Fisher, the coach of the Rams, when they draft Jared Goff. Yeah. Sean McVay now reaps the benefits. So Hugh Jackson may get them to a point of okay, they show some promise, like you say. And it's the next young up and coming assistant, um, that, that could take it over. But look, hopefully Hugh Jackson gets the chance to, uh, you know, coach this team for several years. He's, he's one in 31 in the last two years, though. That's hard to overcome. It really it's is. Really difficult. Yep. All right, Jamie, we have picked six. Thank you very much. We got another one coming tomorrow. We got a guest interview. Did we do this for 28 minutes or 28 years? <laughs> we did this for 34 minutes, but, uh, <laughs> you did hook us up with Deontay Thompson tomorrow. So that should be a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to talk to him about the Cowboys receiving core and, you know, what he's learned so far in OTAs heading into their minicamp, which is the 
June 12th, I believe. But um, uh, hopefully Deontay can give us some insight also on Tyrod Taylor, you know, guy we just finished talking about because he played with him last year at Buffalo. All right, for Jamie Eisenberg, I'm Will Brinson. Oh, that actually hurts. Like That impression is the most physically painful one. And it's so bad. Why do I even do it? For Jamie Eisenberg, I'm Adam Azer. Thanks for listening. We're back tomorrow with another edition of the Pick 6 Podcast for CBS Sports.